Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. He looked at me. I have been his patient for more than 20 years. And he said, this is really strange. You're an African-American, age 57. I've never seen this before. This back pain that you're continually having with no signs of osteoporosis. No signs, exactly. And I didn't have any signs of osteoporosis in my family history. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Break Out the Popcorn, episode number six. How much paranormal poptivity can you handle? Normally, we do not read the episode title in the episode itself, but I was really fucking proud of this one. So you're all going to hear it today. <laughs> so Rico, do you mind telling the people what we're going to be doing today? So today we're going to be ranking the Paranormal Activity series from scary to stupid. Absolutely. And how have how has this past week been watching all the Paranormal Activities? <laughs> I'm sorry, the roles just switched and I'm not used to this. Um, Feel very on the spot, huh? Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> crazy um i thought i thought it was pretty interesting um i'm glad that i spent time with you and we actually sat down and watched an entire series and the last time we did that was for star wars i want to say it has been quite a while usually we just watch movies separately and then just talk about them so it was a nice change of pace or we watch a movie and you're kind of zoned out and i have to remind you of what happened in the movie yeah i just tend to forget what happens in movies and i want to see i blank them from my mind as soon as i watch them so true so how have you been um i've been pretty good no real complaints here no no i got to scrape ice off my car this morning and that's the closest that i've come to snow this year so i'm pretty happy about that well i feel like i'm an 80 year old person because my bones hurt from how cold it is i think that just might be a you thing but continuing let's go ahead and jump into the movie right so we're going to be going based off the chronological order um there's different ways to watch it um, we just chose to watch it the chronological order way. You could watch it by release date, which is one through four. Marked one's considered five, and Ghost Dimension is considered a six. But if you decide to watch it from the beginning, like the Christine Katie saga, uh, to see how it all went down, the easiest way to do it is the chronological order. So it goes three, two, one, four, marked ones, and then Ghost Dimensions. Now, it's here where I'd like to clarify some things. So, the movie does tend to skip around in the beginning. Uh, they tend to find VHS tapes that end up playing as sort of like an intro to the films. And so, we thought, hey, wouldn't it be fun to find all the run times of, you know, different movies to splice it into, you know, a beginning, like our own personal break out the popcorn method of watching it. But we shortly realized that that would be a lot of work. And you would have to skip from one to three to three to two. And it just, 
was easier to watch it the chronological order, wouldn't you say? I think so. It was definitely a lot of like, watch the first five minutes of three, and then you watch the next ten minutes of one, and it was just so complicated. You would literally be switching it every movie every ten minutes. Right. So, do you want to read one plot, then I read the next plot? How do you want to do it? Absolutely. I would love to read the first plot of the first movie. So, um... This is actually going to be one of the shorter plot summaries. And just in case you guys haven't seen Paranormal Activity, there are spoilers in here. Um, these movies are pretty old, so everybody kind of knows what happens. There's no, like, happy ending or anything. So let's get started. So we're going to start off with the first Paranormal Activity. This isn't chronological order. This is just by order that they were released. Just the general summary. So Paranormal Activity 1, this is where we meet Katie and Micah who have moved into a new home and they're experiencing weird things. Uh, Micah, who's inspired by his brother-in-law, gets a couple of cameras to start filming things that are happening. As things progressively get worse, objects move, growls and voices are heard, electronics are turning on and off, Katie begins to wake up in the middle of the night, get out of bed, and just stare at Micah for hours on end. So they call a psychic who tells them not to feed into the spirit with negative energy and don't attempt to contact the spirit. Um, Micah, being the absolute dumbest person in all six of these movies decides to bring home a ouija board and tries to contact the spirit even though the psychic literally warns against it so after the ouija board bursts into flames baby powder footprints are found throughout the bedroom a burned picture of katie as a child was found in the attic and many more issues occur they call the psychic back to try to help them and the psychic immediately tells them yeah no i'm good like this is a you problem so that night, the iconic Katie getting dragged from the bed scene happens. After a struggle, Katie winds up with a nasty bite mark that she probably needs a rabies shot for. The next night, Katie wakes up, stares at Micah for a couple of hours, then goes downstairs to let out a blood-curdling scream. Micah rushes down the stairs, only to be stabbed by Katie, and then Katie drags his body back up the stairs, hurls it at the camera, and then lunges at the camera before the screen cuts to black. The ending title card states that Micah's body was found a few days later by police and that Katie's whereabouts remain unknown. And whenever we first saw this movie, we were all under the impression that this was a real life thing, like based on true events. So it psyched us all out. And so it does thank the local police department for the footage that they found and everything like that as well. You read that so beautifully. Thank you. I did it all in three complete breaths. <laughs> So I didn't, I, I completely forgot that these notes were a long read. So I'm going to do my best at trying to read this one as well as you did. Uh, so we're going to be getting into the plot for Paranormal Activity 2. So this movie takes place before, during, and after the events of the original Paranormal Activity. It starts off with Christy, Katie's sister, uh, bringing her newborn son Hunter home from the hospital. The beginning of this movie is a home video montage of the first few months of Hunter's life. So it's around his birthday and a break-in occurs where some of Katie's old VHS tapes are stolen along with the necklace that Katie gave Christy. After this, Christy's husband, Dan, installs security cameras both inside and outside of the house. A few weird things start to happen like pots and pans falling, lights flickering, banging sounds in the middle of the night, and the family dog is starting to get creeped out. So Martine, the family's housekeeper slash nanny, tries to cleanse the house of evil spirits, but Dan being Dan freaks out and fires her on the spot. Uh, the only other person to take the whole thing serious is Dan's sister, or sorry, daughter, uh, from his previous marriage, Allie. She does some research on the demon or spirit or whatever, 
and she thinks that it's haunting them, only to find out that if a human makes a deal with a demon for wealth or power, the payment of said deal is the life of the family's new, new bleh, firstborn male. Uh, it just so happens that Hunter's been the firstborn male in Christy and Katie's family since their great-great-grandmother was alive. So Christy tries to talk to Katie about everything that's been going on, and Katie tells her not to think about it, you know, just drop it. The weird things begin to start escalating at this point, becoming more and more violent. One day, the family dog is attacked, and while Dan and Allie take the dog to the vet, Christy gets dragged down to the basement where she stays for hours before coming out, presumably presumably, sorry, I can't say that word, possessed. Uh, so Allie finds Christy sitting in Hunter's room with a bite mark on her thigh while acting really strange. That scene fucked me up. But anyway, Allie decides to call her dad at work, and when he comes home, she shows him the footage of Christy being dragged down to the basement. After seeing this, he calls Martine, the housekeeper that he fired, and she says that she can expel the demon from Christy, but it has to be passed on to a blood relative to keep it from returning. There's a scuffle between Christy, Dan, and the demon, but Dan ends up burying a picture of Katie as a child to pass it on to Katie. A few weeks later, Katie and Christy are chatting when Katie mentions that weird things have started happening in her house. Thus, Paranormal Activity 1. So, Christy tells her not to think about it and not to worry about it. So, like I said, this is the beginning of the original Paranormal Activity. So... We go, we go back to Katie arriving home, and we see Micah filming. The next scene we see uh, is after the events of the first movie take place, with Micah just being murdered. Katie, while being possessed, violently murders Dan and Christy and takes Hunter. The end, credit, end credits, damn, I really cannot speak today, uh, state that Allie was on a school trip and returned home to find her stepmother and Dan dead. Her dad, dead, dad, Dan damn <laughs> um and we're told that katie and hunter's whereabouts remain unknown round of applause for that one i struggled so hard it's okay it's completely understandable it's late at night so you know we're pushing the envelope here thank you so moving on to the next movie paranormal activity three this movie is going to be a prequel of sorts so it primarily takes place before either of the paranormal activities we start off um in the middle of what would i say probably right before um, one or two happen where Katie's dropping off some VHS tapes to Christy's house for storage while she's pregnant with Hunter. And then a year later, we find out the VHS tapes have been stolen during a break-in. So this is where it kind of plays those tapes. They begin playing and we find out that, that it's 1988 during Katie's birthday. And Christy's been talking to a spirit um, named Toby. So we meet Christy and Katie's mom. Her name's Julie and her, her mom's boyfriend, Dennis. Dennis just so happens to be a wedding videographer, and he wants to record everything. So that night, an earthquake hits, and dust falls around the shape of something standing in front of Julie and Dennis's bed. The next morning, Dennis watches this footage because, you know, he was trying to get freaky, trying to record it. So he watches the footage and shows Julie, who wants to show Den who wants Dennis to delete the video. He keeps it, though, because he's convinced something is there. So he and a friend set up cameras around the house to catch whatever's happening. That night, the cameras catch Christy opening her little, like, Harry Potter cupboard underneath the stairs, but it's not underneath the stairs, it's just in their room, um, and she opens it to talk to Toby. So a few nights later, the girls are having a little camp out in the backyard, and strange noises occur in the house. Doors lock and unlock, and noises are heard throughout. 
Throughout the next few nights, the cameras catch really odd things. Julie's mother's badgering her to have a boy, Christy's running around at night, seemingly playing with an invisible friend, all that jazz. After this, Julie questions Christy about Toby, but Christy won't say anything, saying Toby doesn't want her to talk about it. Dennis and his friend are doing research and stumble across a book about a witch coven that would make deals with demons and use young girls as vessels through which the young boys would be born. The children would then be brainwashed in order to do the demon's bidding. One night, Julie and Dennis decide to go out for a date night and they hire a babysitter who's relentlessly tormented by Toby so badly that she flees as soon as they come home. The next night, Christy wakes up in the middle of the night, stands in the doorway of her parents' room for a couple of hours, casual. When she returns to her room, she tells Toby, no, no, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I'm going to bed. And the next morning, Dennis finds scribblings all over the wall in the cupboard. When he goes downstairs, he finds that Julie is comforting an extremely sick Christy, and they take her to the hospital, leaving Katie with Dennis's friend. During this time, they play Bloody Mary, where Dennis's friend receives multiple scratches as the demon terrorizes them. Dennis's friend dips soon after, and Dennis decides to finally tell Julie about what's been going on, because he hasn't so far. He told her that once, and she's like, delete it, I don't want anything to do with it, so he just kept secretly recording. So while they're arguing, Toby is playing WWE with Katie upstairs. He pulls her hair, yanks her off the ground. She goes crying to her mom. That night, Toby decides to wage war on Katie. Wait a second. What's up? You said they were playing what? WWE. Or sorry, this time it was WWF. There you go. Thank you. Yes, you're welcome. Um, So basically, he was doing what every older brother does, terrorize your younger sister, although he's a demonic spirit, so it was much worse. So, um, that night, Toby decides to wage war on Katie, messing with her blankets, yanking them off of her, dragging her across the room, etc., etc. Christy then begs Toby to stop, and he finally does after she agrees to do what, he's get, do what he asks. Because remember, Christy is his favorite. He tolerates Katie at this point. Right. The next morning, they all go to Julie's mother's house to get away from Toby. Grandma plays dress-up with the girls and dresses Christy up in a cute little wedding dress. And when, they're, when her mom is like, who are you getting married to? They say Toby, which would personally creep me out. That a couple hundred-year-old demon is, is marrying, marrying a child? child? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. For real. Um, so that night, both Julie and Dennis are brutally murdered by Toby. Uh, Dennis himself getting just snapped in half. Just Dog, I, I love that death scene. I'm sorry. I know I'm not supposed to jump in on these. That was my favorite death scene in I, any movie. This is the only death scene in any of the paranormal movies. No, no, I just really. mean like in, in any movie in general. Um, like the way he got snapped in half, like a folding I just, table. I wish my back would crack like that, just like a glow stick. <laughs> just need one good Look. crack. <laughs> so both Julie and Dennis are murdered by Toby, and Grandma's involved in the coven of witches who are preparing both Katie and Christy for Toby. So the last thing we see is Christy and Katie being taken upstairs by Grandma, and then cut scene cut to black that's it final final scene of that movie until like i think later on in the films where they kind of carry on but we'll jump back into that yeah it it jumps around so we'll pick back up on that later right um so again like i said these movies kind of in the intro i guess jump around uh so this movie is set years after the events of the original paranormal activity and paranormal activity 2 so this one is the like official se- the like the only official sequel right right okay yeah just making sure the other ones kind of take place either before each other or kind of at the same time 
this one. This is one like actually happens a, a little bit after the first one. So this is technically the sequel, like I said, in the uh, chronological order. So we first meet Alex, her little brother Wyatt, and her boyfriend Ben. Ben is filming when Alex shows him her childhood treehouse. And that's when we find the least explained character in this entire movie, Robbie. Who is Robbie? I'm glad you asked. He's actually the neighbor's child. So later that night, she sees an ambulance outside of the new neighbor's house and finds out that Robbie's mom went to the hospital. So Alex's mom offered to watch Robbie for a few days. And, you know, just for some kind of correlation, Wyatt, the brother of Alex, and Robbie are either the same age or really close in age. Uh, It doesn't really explain it, like I said. So Robbie and Wyatt hang out along with their friend, wink, wink, who is invisible, wink, wink. A few days later, Ben shows Alex an auto recording of his and Alex's video chat, which shows Robbie climbing into bed with her in the middle of the night. Weird fucking kid. I know he's a child, but that is definitely some form of sexual harassment. Like I said, weird fucking kid. Uh, So he suggests that they set up laptops around the house and start recording everything because Robbie's a weird fucking kid. Uh, Over the next few days, weird things start to happen around the house, including Robbie getting up in the middle of the night to talk to the TV and Robbie and Wyatt running around the house. And that's when they do this really cool thing where they're setting up, like I said, the tags and the laptops and stuff. And they set up the Xbox Connects infrared dots to kind of like pick up weird things, right? So really quick, can you explain what the Xbox Connect is for people who aren't really familiar with it? It's a motion sensor detector. So the infrared dots scatter along the room to pick up motion. Right. And that's when we pick up a weird ghost silhouette of a child. Um, And we're not too sure whether or not that's our buddy Toby or not. So later on, a chandelier falls because demons love their lights. And Alex is suspicious of Robbie. So she keeps an eye on him and finds out that him and Wyatt are running across the street to Robbie's house. Then we find out that Robbie's mother is actually Katie. So I'm guessing she adopted him. Kind of like our buddy Wyatt. So a while later, we see that Wyatt was talking to an invisible figure. And we only hear Wyatt's responses. But... He says his name isn't Hunter. So at several points in the movie, we see that Katie is sneaking into their house, telling Hunter that she'll be with him when he's ready. The next day, Katie sneaks into their house while Alex's mother starts to hear strange noises. And so she goes, you know, like a normal parent to go investigate. Uh, That's when she's picked up and dropped onto the floor, killing her instantly. We then see Katie come back downstairs and drag her body off screen. Later, Ben comes over and, seeing that no one is home, decides to view the footage in Alex's room. But, again, Katie's still there. And she sneaks up on him and snaps his neck. Katie finds Wyatt and begins to tell him that he is Hunter. When Alex and her dad arrive home, her dad thinks that he sees Alex's mom walking with Wyatt over to Katie's house. So he goes to investigate. Alex returns home to find Ben's body in her closet... So she runs over to Katie's house where she witnesses her dad being dragged violently through the house by a demon. And that's when she turns around to see Katie, who is in full demon mode, storming and screaming at her. Um, Alex runs and climbs out of the window where she finds Wyatt standing outside. 
She's about to escape with Wyatt until a shit ton of witches appear out of nowhere in Katie's garden. And so Alex turns around only to be attacked by Katie and the camera cuts out. So we never really find out if she actually died. No. Wonderful. All right, moving on to the next movie. This is where it gets kind of weird because it's not technically, it's in the same universe as the regular paranormal activities, but it's not directly tied to Katie or Christy. Um, So they are still dealing with the same coven, but this is personally a long one because I loved it. So starting this movie off, we meet Jesse, who just graduated from high school. We learn he has a downstairs neighbor who they call the Bruja, meaning witch. So he's playing with his GoPro that he just purchased when he and his friend see their former classmate, Oscar, running from the Bruja's apartment. That night, Jesse and his friend hear the wailing from his downstairs neighbor's apartment and decide to lower his GoPro down the vent to see what was happening. Here we see the Bruja, who's named Anna, drawing a strange symbol on a naked woman's stomach. Such perverts. Honestly. That evening, Jesse and his friend are goofing around when they see Oscar, their former classmate, jumping out of a window in Anna's apartment and just fleeing. The police then arrive and find out that Anna's been killed, making Oscar the prime suspect, but the boys don't tell the police about what they saw because Oscar's brother is a pretty notorious gang member. So Jesse and his friend break into Anna's apartment and find lots of blood, of course, because she was just murdered, um, black magic ritual objects, occult signs, and VHS tapes that say Katie and Christy 1988. Oscar's brother, the gang member, confronts him in the apartment and he tells him that his brother didn't kill Anna and tells him to leave. And they do, but they take one of Anna's journals on the way out. So the next morning, Jesse wakes up to find blood on his bed from a bite mark on his arm. And this isn't like a little mosquito bite either. This is like a full-on human or demon bite. Kind of like Chrissy. Exactly like Chrissy and like Katie as well. Forgot Katie was possessed too. <laughs> they, he just, apparently Toby just possesses through biting. So it's kind of like he needs a muzzle at this point. For real. So the family's dog, who previously loved him, now wants absolutely nothing to do with him. As he, his friend Hector, and his other friend Marisol hang out, they go through the journal they stole from Anna's, and in it they find instructions on how to construct a doorway through time, but only to unholy places. Later on, they find out they can communicate with spirits through a game, answering yes and no questions. Jesse's grandma, being the real MVP, doesn't like it, so she just takes it away. Later on, Jesse finds out that he has supernatural abilities, like the ability to violently knock people away, levitate, and kind of invincibility. Like, almost invincibility. Heck, I think that's what kind of means. Like, a little bit of invincibility. Like, I couldn't tell you for sure, but I'm pretty sure. So, Hector and Jesse then go to a block party where they meet some girls, decide to take them back to Anna's place to hook up. Why what would, a weird place. Why would you take girls like, hey, yeah, I have a really good crime scene. She was murdered here. Let's go. I get that grandma was in the apartment, but it's just weird. So Jesse leaves to go get a condom. When the girl he brought back finds a trap door leading to the basement. So she opens it and she's suddenly grabbed by an arm. Oscar's arm, to be exact. Remember the kid that jumped out the window and is the murder suspect? So when Jesse returns, he finds Oscar in the bathroom, revealing that they both have bite marks on their arms. Oscar says that Anna put something inside of both of them, and the only way to save their loved ones is to just kill themselves. Then we see Oscar jump from a building onto a car, dying immediately. So at home, they review the footage from Jesse's camera, because of course, like all the freaks in this series, he was trying to record himself (laughs) getting frisky too. 
So they record that, they review that footage from Jesse's camera and confirm that it was actually Oscar who grabbed the girl and came out from the basement. The three friends, Jesse, Hector, and Marisol, then go check out the basement in Anna's apartment. They find an altar with photos of both, both Jesse and Oscar, a picture of Jesse as a baby, and one of Jesse's pregnant mother, who died in childbirth, standing next to Anna and an unknown woman, who we later find out is Christy and Katie's grandmother. Really quick, why did they invite Marisol to see these things when clearly Jesse and Marisol were kind of kind of like into each other? Jesse literally just tried to hook up with another girl inside of murder victim's apartment. I don't think they were into each other. Either way, good on Marisol for knowing that she was better than that. For real. So, over the next few days, Jesse's health starts to deteriorate. They talk to Oscar's brother, who then shows them Oscar's room, and they find out that he's been doing research on a group of witches and missing children, all firstborn sons like Jesse. Although Oscar seems to be the younger brother, we find out that he was actually adopted after his mother died in childbirth, making him a firstborn son as well. Hector sees a picture of a girl among all the boys, and her name is Allie, remember from Paranormal Activity 2, the survivor from the family massacre. He then takes her contact information with him, just, you know, just in case. So Jesse's mood soon changes, and now he's all sullen and moody, while visibly attacking people for no apparent reason. He then says he can no longer control himself, and he's lured back into Anna's apartment, the basement to be exact, where he's attacked by this roaring demon. And we also see, like, a black-eyed Christy and Katie in here, like, the young versions of them. Um, I personally didn't pick up that it was them on the first viewing, but IMDB definitely schooled me later. And I definitely wrote it in my notes. You did. You were paying attention. So over the next few days, Jesse gets even worse. He's dark and withdrawn, locking himself in his room all night. Hector and Marisol meet with Allie, and she explains her research into the coven of midwives, a.k.a. witches, who brainwashes young women into giving up their unborn sons. They possess the boys with a mark on the mother's stomach, like the one Anna was drawing on that woman, to create an, an army with the help of demons. Allie gives them the address to where the final ritual is set to take place and tells them to act quickly before Jesse is completely taken over by the demon. At home, they find Jesse torturing the family dog telekinetically, and Hector intervenes as they discuss what's happening with Jesse's grandma. Grandma takes him to, like, a Mexican religious healer who then tells him how to cleanse the evil from Jesse. She tries that night, but Jesse injures her hand before all the lights go out. So Hector, being the only one who can see through the camera's night vision, then sees Jesse go missing. Granted, I don't know how you see somebody go missing. He just, like, turns on the night <laughs> That's vision. exactly what missing means. He just turns on the night vision and it's like, uh, hey, he's not here anymore. So the living room then starts warping, and then all of a sudden a flash happens where Jesse appears midair, telekinetically tearing the living room apart. He passes out after that, and they just put him to bed like it's the an average Tuesday night. So the next morning, Hector and Marisol find Jesse standing at the top of the stairs, his grandma having been recently pushed down. She just accidentally fell. And Hector calls 911. His grandma's taken to the hospital and Jesse flees. So later on, we find out that grandma's in the ICU. And as Hector and Marisol attempt to go to the hospital to see her, they find Jesse instead, fully possessed, blocking the road. After a quick scuffle, he's knocked unconscious and they put his body in the back seat. They then drive away, but then they're hit by another car. And before they realize that the people in the other car take Jesse's body away. So they decide to go to the address that Allie gave them. But they need some help. So they ask Oscar's brother and his friend to go with him to avenge Oscar, kind of. 
And so at the address, they're attacked by women who seem to be possessed. And although they brought guns to a knife fight, Oscar's brother and his friend are pretty much quickly killed. Hector and Marisol escape inside the home, which seems to be Christy and Katie's grandma's house. But after Marisol is killed, Hector's chased throughout the house by Jesse. He locks himself in an upstairs room and all the windows are boarded up, but there's a door with the occult markings on its frame. Seeing this as the only exit he could possibly take because a possessed Jesse is breaking down the door behind him, he goes through it. The camera then goes dark and warps a few times, but when it comes back, Hector finds himself in a downstairs garage. Going through the house, Hector sees a woman walking through the house in what seems to be a trance. That woman's actually Katie, as she's getting the knife to stab Micah. And as she sees Hector, she snaps out of her trance and screams for Micah, who arrives quickly, but as we all know, is quickly murdered by Katie. So Hector flees, but is soon attacked by a completely demonic Jesse who also went through the portal. And the last thing we see is an older woman pick up the camera and turn it off. That's terrifying. Honestly, that was my favorite one. Just it, it didn't directly tie into Katie and Christy. It kind of mm-hmm. led up to it, but that's where we kind of get introduced to time travel. My personal favorite one is the third one, but we can talk about that towards the end. Absolutely. All right. So speaking about favorite movies, we are now getting into my least favorite movie i think it's everybody's least favorite god this movie was so fun just Um, push through it you got it definitely last one the same way that y'all are pushing through and listening to all of these summaries before we get to the ranked so this movie starts with a scene from paranormal activity 3 my personal favorite where dennis is being killed by the demon remember the back snapping like a glow stick yes love it so this is an extended version where we meet christy and katie's teacher kent if you do watch it, it's the ponytail guy. You'll know. Um, after being after the beginning of the scene, we jump to another family unrelated to Christine Katie. We meet the Fleegy family. Is that how you pronounce that? Fleegy Fee. I honestly, it wasn't ever really said in the movie. I don't think. Okay. I just didn't feel like naming all the people all at once. So let's just go ahead and call them Fleegy. Um, and it consists of Ryan, the dad, Emily, the mom, Leela, right? the daughter yes leela i'm sorry you just had that co-worker named leila and it's spelled the same way and she when i was like hey is it leila she's like no, no it's, it's leila yeah and i was like okay and then we have ryan the brother and emily's friend who i guess didn't get a name i did call her sparkle because she just reminded me of like a vegan loving peaceful hippie that's literally never described. Like, that's not her description, but, um, She yeah. gives off those vibes. Like, she goes on retreats. She, like, does healing and aura cleansing. All that fun stuff. Okay. Um, I didn't personally get that vibe. So Did you I... not hear the part where she talks about, like, her job is moving furniture around to do feng shui stuff? I mean, yeah, but anyways, continue. I didn't All give right. her a name. I'm going to call her that. Sparkle. She's not that important. You don't have to give her a name. <laughs> she's hardly mentioned in here, so. I'm still going to call her Sparkle. Everybody deserves a name. So Ryan and his brother are putting up Christmas lights when they find a box filled with some old tapes and a huge camera. Keep in mind, this is a little bit uh, in the future, so the cameras that they were using in the third movie were like your grandpa's camera, right? So they start to watch them and they notice that in one of the tapes, Kent is asking Christy what she sees. So when she starts telling him what she sees, she starts describing Leela's room, 
I'm sorry. I'm just so hard on so hyper focused on making on making sure Leela instead of Layla. Uh, and soon, you know, the power goes out in the house. So as they're filming with a huge camera that they found, Ryan notices that it seems to pick up these particles in the air and the sound muffles when you walk through them, kind of like you're underwater. Uh, soon Leela starts acting strange and Ryan catches her playing a twisted version of Bloody Mary. Um, and when, you know, he pulls her away, you can see that her hand is bleeding and a giant punch gets thrown into the window. Or, not the window, sorry, the mirror. After this, Ryan leaves cameras in the living room and in Leela's room. And during the first night, they see a dark spear forming on the side of her bed. When she wakes up, she chats with it. And when she's asked who it is, she says, it's our boy Toby. Um, later on, Ryan's brother and Emily's friend are outside by the pool when a dark cloud appears to jump from the pool and go into their garden. Then they find Leela outside and alone by herself. That's what alone means. (laughs) Um, Later finding out that she attempted to bury her mother's rosary. So during the second night, they seem to get the footage of the demon's face, and they find that Leela has drawn occult symbols all over, or like all around her bed, like in the shape of a door. Uh, The following night, we see Leela in the living room turning the gas onto the fireplace and ripping out pages from the Bible. And at that point, I'm sorry, but my kid is getting tossed into that fire. That is like, Emily's friend was like, no, she just found a book. And that's why she just knew you had the book there. I'm like, bitch. Yeah, nah. You like seven or something, right? Um, If If you have weird drawings in the form of a door by your bed... And you're ripping out pages of the Bible, and like I said. Turning on the gas to the fireplace and then trying to light a match. Toby doesn't have to kill anybody. I'm giving him away. I'm giving you away. Sorry. So anyway, continuing. I- I've always wanted to say that. Uh, she attempts to light the fireplace, but her mom finds her before it can happen. When her mother tries pulling out all the pages from the fireplace, an invisible force goes and turns the gas back on, startling her. So after this, they call in a priest to see what's happening. And the priest goes to her room and chats with her and he rubs holy water all over her and a little teddy bear. And after a few questions, she growls and bites at the priest. Again, you bite at a priest, you gots to go. Look, we don't even have to be like of that religion that the priest is from. Yeah, dog, you can be like a Buddhist priest. If my kid bites at you and growls at you. If if my kid is biting and growling at you and you're a monk, I am so sorry. Where can I donate this child? Is it too late to drop them off at a fire a fire station? <laughs> so, continuing. The next night, the brothers watch after Katie, sorry, they watch another Katie and Christy video. Christy in this one uh, is being asked what she sees. And she describes the brothers in the room that they are in. As they dig deeper into these videos, they find that one featuring Hunter takes place almost 15 years before he was born, i.e. the time travel. Um, We also find out that Hunter and Leela were born on the exact same day. And they know this because they had a missing poster from Hunter. Emily then reads about a cult called the Midwives that uses the blood of the two firstborns in order to bring Toby into the world. The next night features a crack forming in Leela's room and opens into a tunnel. Remember the door? Which she goes through and stays for hours. I guess she was hanging out with a young Katie, Christie, and Hunter. 
the adults worry as Leela grows increasingly detached, and after one terrifying night, they call the priest back in. He decides that Leela isn't fully possessed yet, and they'll just go ahead and do an extermination. They seemingly vanquish Toby until Emily's friend spews black acid bile all over Ryan's brother and kills him. Leela runs away after she seems to snap out of it, and her parents go and chase after her. Ryan gets an arm through the fucking chest because, you know, Toby can do that now. Emily uses a tunnel on Leela's wall and follows it through as a way to escape, and it is then that Emily finds herself in the basement of Katie and Chrissy's old home, where they tell her that it's already too late and Toby is real now. We then see Toby in his new human form, but just the legs, and oddly no pants, but you know, beggars can't be choosers. So Emily's crouching down with Leela, begging Toby to spare them, but Toby decides, nah, bro, and snaps her neck. Uh, That's when we see Leela taking Toby by the hand, and they walk away off screen. Who knows what happens next? I don't. Do you? No, but there's supposed to be a Paranormal Activity 7 that we can all just cry, cry about. I was going to say hope for the best. Look, I'm going to be super honest before we dive into our feelings and thoughts. I'm just going to equate Paranormal Activity, the series now. It is the paranormal version, the horror version of Fast and the Furious. Oh, yeah. It's like the ghost version of Fast and the Furious. It is the ghost that keeps giving at this point. Okay, so let me get comfy before I get into my feelings about the Paranormal Activity series. So let's talk about number one. How do you feel about it? Um, number one was like, it was cool. I mean, it wasn't bad. It was definitely like the first of its kind besides Blair Witch Project that it just seems so real that that's why everybody was so taken with it. Right. So I actually really loved the first one too. I think it's kind of like the king of paranormal movies, just personal opinion. Um, it's the king of found footage movies. Right. Found footage paranormal movies. But I did get kind of upset when they made the statement that it was based off a real story and then slowly dropped the real factor. Yeah, I can see why you'd be like irritated with that, how they didn't just completely keep rolling with the this might be real like type of thing. Right. It went from like, oh, there is a ghost. Wait, no, it's a demon. And now we don't know what to do. And then it just slowly started becoming to, like, rituals and you got to do this and do that. I don't know. It just became weird. I think the reason the first one did so well is because it was such a low-budget movie. And I don't think they expected it to take off into what it was. So that's why they kind of were like, oh, yeah, it's real. And then, of course, once the first one was so good and it was a hit and they made so much money, they were like, of course, we're going to keep making these. But it took a little bit of the realness away from it. Right. If they would have left it at one, it still would have been fantastic. Oh, yeah. I mean, all in all, I think it was a great movie. Um, But I do got to point out the fact that fucking Micah. He was the worst. The shittiest character. Like, had they put Micah in Ghost Dimensions, I think that is the only way they could have fucked up Ghost Dimensions anymore. Honestly, I just, Micah is the one guy that you never want on your team. Like, he provokes. No, you do want Micah on your team. No, because then he's gonna. No, 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 no. You let Micah fucking sacrifice himself so you Uh, get away. I mean, you are right. Because he is, the psych is like, 
hey, don't talk to the demon. And Mike is like, hey, I brought home a hey, Ouija bro, board. Hey, bro, how are you? You want to you wanna have a chat with the Ouija board? It's like, Micah, don't provoke the demon. Is that all you fucking got, demon? You big pussy. That's literally Micah. Dude, he was the worst. I, I mean, I think it's because during that time, and if y'all fact check me on this, totally cool with it. But Ghost Hunting, what was that show? Um, Ghost Adventures with Zach Bagans was out during around that time. So I, I feel like they kind of based Micah's character off Zach Bagans. I mean, I don't know about all that, but like, I think that personally he tried to play up like the role of Macho Man. But if my partner told me like, hey, so like, I might have been haunted by like this demonic spirit when I was younger. If my partner told me that, I wouldn't have been like, yeah, well, let's not call a demonologist. Like, I don't think it's time to call a demonologist. I'd be like, yeah, let's go to a fucking church. Um, why did you buy a house with me? And you didn't tell me that you were haunted by a fucking demon? We have Pippin. Yes, we we all know about Pippin. Pippin is our house ghost. He um, He's pretty chill. He's pretty chill, yeah. He hasn't knocked over a bookshelf yet, so, you know. I I can't. Can't be mad at him. Yeah. So, but we're doing this for you, Pippin. We, we love you. We know about Pippin. Micah did not know that Katie had just a, a childhood demon. It's true. True, true, true. Um, I do want to bring up a consistency. Not an inconsistency. Um, a continuity. That's what I was trying to say. Uh, error. And so, like I said, they try to keep up the the feeling that this is a real movie. It was shot in like a week-ish, kind of. And <laughs> what should have thrown people off is Katie's hair starts growing and getting cut within these few days. And it's at this point where she's, like, possessed, where her hair is kind of, like, changing colors, too. It's, like, light brown, dark brown, then dark, or, sorry, dark brown, light brown, then dark brown again. And, yeah, I mean, you can definitely chalk the the length up to, oh, maybe she got hair extensions, maybe she, like, clipped them in one day. But the color, like, it was just so all over the board that it was kind of weird. I mean, I'm, I thought you ate your hand sanitizer. That freaked me out. Sorry. I need some hand <laughs> My hands are sticky. Um... No, like, I mean, unless you're going to, what what are they called? Your hairstylist while you're possessed. And Toby just picks out your color. Your hair would be fucking fried if you went light, dark, light, dark, light, dark, light, dark. Either she's wearing a wig or it is a plot hole. Right. And, I mean, I, I have a couple more things that I want to talk about, but I can uh, let it slide since we are getting around that time. Um, I did want to mention that this is actually one of the only movies where it is filmed with the, I guess, hauntees in the house at all times. Like, they never really leave the house. Yeah, this one, I think the furthest we get from the house is maybe their backyard or, like, their driveway. Right. aside from that, it's all inside the house. All shot inside. I'm assuming it saved a lot of money like the set and i think that's why the movie did so well it it was one of those things that weren't that wasn't like overproduced you right. know that is just like so built up it's like a real house with real people or maybe it wasn't a real house honestly i don't know i feel like it'd be cheap to rent an airbnb out i think it would too um and i know i said last thought on the thing but i have to mention this because if i don't it's gonna eat at me later on in editing um but they used the actor and actress's name in the movie as they did in, like, real life. 
Yeah, just to keep, like, the authenticity. So right. when they go to IMDb, it shows, like, the character they played is the same character as their real name. To keep that authenticity of, this is a real movie. I do hope they paid those actors, like, the actor and actress big bank, though, because you have to think, when people Google their name, they're always going to be connected to paranormal activity. For the rest of their life. It's not like a Daniel Radcliffe, Harry Potter situation, where it's like, oh, yeah, if you Google Daniel Radcliffe, you'll also see his other works i love how we always go back to daniel radcliffe well it's just like a staple but you know if you google katie's real name i think it's like featherson Featherson or featherton but if you google it you're automatically going to get paranormal activity things no matter what so let's jump into paranormal activity two in our thoughts um do you want to start again yeah for sure so um let me see so i personally was not a huge fan of Paranormal Activity 2. Like, I agree. It, it's just my main flaw with this movie is that they used the cameras too much. And they used them to the point where certain scenes just didn't show anything happening. It was just mm-hmm. cycling through the cameras. And so at some points you just got bored. Just Just waiting searching. for something to happen. Yeah. And like they used a lot of those just blank moments. And I think they overdid it to the point where it was just like you just weren't interested in the movie anymore. You were so, you know, bracing for just a sudden jump scare or something that never really happened. Mm-hmm. And you were just kind of looking and scanning the screen for every little thing that could possibly be a ghost. And it never happened. Right. Uh, and that's something that I did bring up with while watching it with you is you're sitting here in such suspense waiting for, like, a chandelier to shake or, like, a light bulb to go out and then, like... It's just wasted time. Like, nothing happens in that scene. Yeah. Um, There is a scene that I do want to mention where Katie is talking to Hunter, like, in, like, a future sense. Like, oh, hey, like, whenever you grow up, blah, blah. Um, She tells him that she is the evil aunt. She's like, yeah, like, I'm your aunt. I'm I'm your evil aunt, Katie. And it kind of, like, just foreshadows the fact that she does get possessed later on and kills his mom um i do think though that this movie if you like jump scares then it's no i think jump scares are pretty overrated at this point honestly i'm not a huge fan of them personally i like the suspense build up rather than just random ass jump scares but that's what that's what this movie had a lot of it's Mm -hmm. just random jump scares that you know i guess they're good but in this movie, it just wasn't... It didn't make the movie any scarier. No. Uh, it definitely didn't. Um, some more things that I just want to touch on is, like, if the coven, you know, brainwashes them into thinking a certain kind of way, why were they allowed to keep the tapes? See, and my, my train of thought was the tapes came from their grandma's house that Katie says she got after grandma died. Um, and that's cool and fine and all, but... Then the coven breaks into Chrissy's house to take these tapes. Mm -hmm. Why wouldn't they have just taken them from Grandma's house before Katie got her hands on them? Right, because at any point, whenever she wasn't possessed, she could have been like, hey, like, this is what's going on. I need to find help. Yeah. Yeah, because we also see, you know, in three on these tapes that, hey, like, she has, like, her real mom or whatever. And then later on, we find out that her real mom was killed and then replaced with, like, a fake mom. Right. Um, I just felt like this one was very rushed in a lot of places. 
Um, and like you said, they rely heavily on the jump scare tactic instead of like actually building up to a scare. And all in all, the movie was so fucking loud. Like, maybe in a movie theater, that's fine. Because, you know, like I said in the first episode, it keeps you captivated. You know, you're, like, pumping this feeling into you. But not at home, man. It's so fucking annoying whenever you're watching it at home. And then a lot of the issues, too, is when there was dialogue, you had to turn up the volume so loud to hear them. And And if you forgot... That shit was not great. But I do (laughs) want to talk about the real MVPs of this movie. Who's that? Martine and Allie. Right. The only two people with any common sense. Um, granted, Martine, you kind of, you kind of a little messed up, but I can't blame you. Martine wasn't, she kind of played everybody in a sense. Because you gotta think, she got fired, and they're like, hey, so I know we fired you, but we kind of need you to come back and get rid of that demon you're keeping at bay. And she was like, huh. Crazy. Interesting. So you want me to get rid of her? Yeah. Well, I have to pass it on to a different family member. Blood relative. And so. then, sure enough, Katie comes through and kills him. Well, see, my thing is, is that the only people that I feel like Martine probably, like, cared about was Allie and Hunter. Right. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. you even see, it in some, see in some scenes where Allie speaks Spanish to her. Really? Yeah. I didn't even remember that part. Yeah, like, there are some scenes where she actually, like, picks up the Spanish that she's speaking and everything like that. Mm-hmm. So, like, I feel like the only people that she was like, all right, well, I want to, like, I'm going to make sure you good is Allie and Hunter. But we do need to talk about the ending where everybody gets murdered except for Allie and Martine and Hunter, of course. Yeah. So, that was actually my favorite scene in that entire movie. Probably, like, the only scene that I actually care about. Um, they did have really good um, continuity with that, though. Even though it was shot in, you know, of course, different times, mm-hmm. um, they did make sure to, like, keep the blood stains all over Katie's clothes and everything like From that. From the first movie? Yeah. Yeah. So that is the one thing that I will give to these movies is when we're going back and, like, seeing scenes from previous movies, mm-hmm. they do keep it pretty consistent. Definitely. I definitely agree. Like you said, uh, Martine and Allie were the only two to survive up to this point. And Hunter, but, you know, Hunter's in the next couple movies, so they explain it. Hunter has a lot of plot armor here. Oh, yeah, most definitely. Like, Mans has walked down the stairs as an infant and did not fall and break his neck. Like we said, Allie and Martine were able to get away. They explain that, like, Allie went to a school trip, and that's why she wasn't a part of the the family murder she came home and found her um her stepmom and her dead dad dan dead dad dad, damn dead yeah um and martine just kind of like peaced out after she passed it to the other sister yeah i've done my job here i will never work for you again i'm scrubbing my fingerprints so the demon does not find me leave me a five-star review on angie's list thank you so much for real so back to katie popping up um how the fuck did she get into their house? Yeah, because they did install all those security cameras and alarm system after their house was broken into. And we show, or Toby sure showed us that the doors are fucking locked on those oak wood doors. Yeah, see, and my problem is, is like, I don't know how far away she lives, but did she drive there? I think that she walked there. I was going to say, did she drive in her white convertible? <laughs> True. 
Like, can you imagine the cop that pulls Listening her Listening to over? Highway to Hell. Yeah. <laughs> like, can you imagine the cop that pulls her over? I forgot what horror movie actually did yeah. that. But you have to also think, she just killed Micah. Mm-hmm. Well, granted, the police don't find his body until days later, but I would have thought they would, like, put out, like an APB for her car or something like that, right? You would think so. You would definitely think so. But, I mean, that's why I think, like, she probably walked that way. They did find the car there. And she just seemed like she was missing. Um, and another thing that I just found shitty that just didn't sit right with me is that the sister with the most money gets to buy her way out of a possession. Yeah, because Katie was still in school, whereas Christy kind of just married Rich. Right. So, I mean, yeah, it was a pretty shitty thing to do. And I get why he did it, because he was saving his wife and, you know, his son. But ultimately, Toby gets what Toby wants. I mean, you, you had better luck, Dan, just letting her get possessed. Um, You ready to move on to four? Yeah, well, let's explain why there's no notes for three. I, I was just going to skip over it. Okay, so... Uh, that's my fault, personally. My fault. It's just once you're just, so engrossed in a movie. That movie was so fucking scary. So fucking good. Like, I think you said Neve's, Neve from Catfish's brother yeah, directed he, it? He directed this one and, and pro- four. Did he produce it here or no? I don't know. I didn't know. I know for sure he that. directed it, though. Yeah. Um, And it he just, did such a he good did, job. oh, man. Like, I just want to say the oscillating fan camera that's on there, they put, like, a that camera. two. No, that was in three with the babysitter. I know you got right, it mixed right, up. Right, I keep yes. getting those mixed up. Sorry. It's fine. That was by far the best scene ever because what happens is they put this fan, well, they put this um, camera, camera on what seems to be, like, an oscillating fan. So, like, it moves back and forth. And there's an area that split between the, um, like, dining room and then, like, the kitchen and brunch area. And so... There's this babysitter. I'm just going to take a moment to talk about the scene because it's so good. Yeah. So the babysitter is downstairs studying after the girls are in bed. And then all of a sudden you see this like, it seems like a child hiding under a sheet standing behind like her. Like it's Katie or Christy under yeah. the sheet. Yeah. Like trying to scare her or something. And the fan oscillates so you don't see it anymore. And then it oscillates back and it's like still there. Well, no, it oscillates back and you see it. That's when you finally see it for the yeah. first time. Right. And then all of a sudden, she turns around, and the sheet, like, whatever's underneath just disappears, and it falls to the ground. Yeah. That scene was fucking terrifying. It gets me every single time. Like, it's just such a good scene, and just the quality, even though that is supposed to be the prequel, and, you know, it would make sense for it to be kind of shittier than the rest of them. Yeah. It outshines it was all so, of them. It, it definitely does. Um, like I said, 3 was my favorite and just honestly, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say it. After three was marked ones. And if you really care, we can, I guess, do this at the end and just tell, tell know, what our favorites. Our, yeah, our ranking. Instead of ranking it from scariest to stupid, we're going to, you know, give y'all a little, we'll I guess, a, little a bonus. Yeah, yeah a we'll bonus tell you rank. The scariest to stupidest. And then we'll let you know what, like, our top three are or whatever. Right. Okay. Um, so and that's just four. personally, yeah, that's just why we didn't do notes on three. It's just, yeah. it was it's, too good. Yeah, there's nothing, it's just one movie that you have to watch for yourself in all honesty. So moving on to four. Okay, so I do have to say this anytime this movie is brought up. Alex looks like a younger Connie. I I don't know if y'all be able to find pictures of that. Maybe Connie might like post two pictures side by side on our Instagram or something. 
but she looks exactly like a younger Connie. Maybe one day, but um, I don't think it is going to be this time around. And surprisingly, I don't see it, but I've had that, you know, compliment quite a few times. So I think you, you should just go ahead and do it. Just thank go you. ahead and upload it. Um, a question that I had about four was how did Katie lose Hunter? We've already kind of went over this where I think the general consensus and the general train of thought is that Katie put Hunter up for adoption because losing Hunter means like like getting him out of her possession or putting him up for adoption. So um, I think the general consensus with this is that she put him up for adoption just to kind of like get the cops off their trail because paranormal activity takes place in California, whereas paranormal activity four takes place in Nevada. So it's just one state away. Um, so I think she, in order to separate... How did you know that geography? Honestly, I don't know. It's just, like, ingrained in my brain at this point. Okay. Fair enough. I, I know, like... I didn't even know that they took place in two different places. Yeah. And that they were right next to each other. Weird. I Good job. Know, Proud I of you. No thanks. Yeah, I did my research. Um, so I think she just, like, separated, you know, herself from Hunter. They theorized through, like, one of the lawyers that's involved with the coven... So they can keep track of where Hunter is. Um, that's how they did the adoption. But just so the cops wouldn't see, oh, a 24-year-old woman with a newborn or the one-year-old child exactly matching the description that we're looking for. That does make sense. Yeah. Yeah. So. Okay. Okay. But then a question that I have as far as like the movie in general is who the fuck is editing these movies and who is supposed to be the one watching this movie? Like I get that we're supposed to be the one watching, but like. Who is editing the movies by, oh, here's the intro of the tapes, and then here's what happened to this family, so you should watch it, Mr. Whoever the fuck you are, Mrs. Whoever the fuck you are. I'm thinking that the occult is doing it just to be like, like, it's a scrapbook of memories, you know? That is hilarious. I did not eat, that's like the furthest thing from my mind, is that the occult is like, hey guys. Alright you guys, throwback Thursday. Here's what we did. Throwback Thursday. Let's watch whenever Toby had to like. Oh well, no, I meant like the 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 not the occult. Well, I guess they are the occult too, but they are kind of like breaking the fourth wall, and they're like, "Hey, this is what we did to this family. This is what we did to this family. Now you gotta watch it." Leave us a review. Let us know if we should continue doing more content like Maybe this. Maybe we can do your family. You know what? Let's just start a YouTube channel. <laughs> Like I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that they are like doing a video scrapbook just so they can go back and watch and be like, Oh my god, the fun time that we like remember when we had to get Hunter from his like adopted family? Yeah, that's giving me chills. <laughs> <laughs> so continuing. Um, I know you wanna ask it. I do. I have to. I have to. Who the fuck was Robbie? Okay, so I actually have done some. Research. No, don't give me no bullshit about him. he's the messenger and this and that. Because I don't want to hear it. I, I I don't. No, but I, they did an interview. I looked it up. I read it. They said that Robbie is supposed to be some sort of messenger that whenever Toby needs a child, he will help get, well, let me Isn't finish. Is this a motherfucker not age? Let me finish. I don't know. He might be a demon. Who knows? But he just helps bring that connection, um, like start that connection in order to bring that child to Toby, which he did do a really good job at that because he was able to be like, Oh, my mommy went to the hospital. Can I stay at your house for a little bit? You do that too well. It's weird. 
<laughs> Can I just spend the night? I really like your kid. Can Except I... for he was like an asshole the whole movie. He was. And you know, remember that fork scene where he's like, this is a hundred year old fork. It's really special. And the... the kid improvised it. Did he really? Yes. Weird. They just gave him a bag of shit and they're like, yeah, like. Just say whatever you want. <laughs> this is a really old fork. It's really special. It's a hundred years old. Don't fucking touch my fork. Don't fucking touch my fucking fork. Exactly. So the kid, he, the kid is a great actor, I think. I think so too. He played the the most dickheadish kid ever, um, but still, I don't like that he wasn't explained in the movie. And then like, we don't. They don't explain how he was adopted or anything. It was just fucking weird. You know what would have made Ghost Dimensions a tad bit better? Is if they had Robbie back. If they had Robbie back, it would have tied it in. It Ghost Dimensions. I think it would have. Ghost Dimensions was supposed to tie up loose ends, and I think that if they would have had Robbie in there, it would have been more of like a, hey, Robbie is this new kid coming over for a play date with Leela. Like, it, once again, it would be Robbie being the messenger and bringing a child to Toby. It didn't make sense that Robbie it would wasn't in Ghost Dimensions. Yeah, it would kind of put things into perspective as far as Robbie is instead of having him in like one movie and then just never heard from again exactly like it's just if Robbie is supposed to be the messenger in order to bring these children to Toby why wasn't he the one to bring Leela to Toby right and so we did say that Hunter time traveled back into Ghost Dimensions right yeah so what happened so he was in four then yeah so we're assuming that he was sent back through a portal. And also, how weird is it to for, like, Demon Christy to be like, Oh, my son. So cute. You're my child. Yeah. But, so yeah. he did travel back in time to almost 15 years before he was born. And um, so that's why I'm hoping that they're going to, like... I mean, because it just sucks that they didn't bring Robbie back at all. Yeah. He I was kind of like, poof, gone. It just seems like one of those things where since different directors had different ideas like they didn't all do every single movie right so just like with star wars at the end of it there's just so many things going on there, that... every director had their own idea of what right. lines they wanted to follow and so one director was like yeah this kid named robbie he's a messenger he brings the kids to toby and then the next director is like yeah no like i'm i don't need that right so um, although this is another one of my favorite movies, I didn't like the fact that it relies heavily on jump scares. It does. Um, I think it did it a lot better than two, just because it wasn't just like a lot of unused footage, mm -hmm. but it did have a lot of just like, you know, in your face jump scares. Yeah. Um, do you remember whenever we were talking about the movie and he said like oh i don't like that they use like all the laptops and this and that and like the webcams i personally i saw what the director was going for yeah and it was like this approach that like kids are tech savvy like we don't necessarily have to go out and buy 30 cameras and 30 bipods and set them up all over the house like we have smartphones we have tablets we have ipads iphones like yeah. you can use anything and so when they used the, uh, excuse me, the Xbox Connect, it was really like, unique. Yeah, it was very unique. And then like, it also brought up a plot hole. 
that I want to talk about? Oh, yeah. Why was there a little child ghost? Yeah, I mean, um... Which then would explain the two chandeliers and how they were both swinging. Yeah, because... It's just him and Toby swinging around. In Ghost Dimensions, we can see that, like, Toby's able to create any kind of form he wants to. So, Mm -hmm. whether it be just, like, a splatter on the floor or, like, a whole human form, we can see that he can do that, but you see a child running and then you also see, like, what seems to be, like... A bigger entity yeah. watching them and talking to them and all that. Honestly, I can't explain that, but back to the tech thing. I do want to say, though, some of the movies made sense in why they use cameras. Like, two made sense. They installed cameras after a break-in. Normal, right? Right. Three made sense, kind of, because the mom's boyfriend was a videographer for a wedding. For weddings, yeah, yeah. He's used to, like, filming things. Mm-hmm. And he catches something weird and is like, hey, like, let's... Let's set up some cameras. I just want to see what happens. And Mike is a bougie bitch. That one didn't necessarily make sense to me. He saw somebody else had a camera. I was like, I need to buy one of those. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what happened, in all honesty. Yeah. So that one, it kind of takes away from... Although it was the first movie. Yeah. It, it just kind of takes away from, like, the mystery of, well, why are they carrying this camera around filming everything? And that's what I really didn't like about Ghost Dimensions, that I know we're going to get to it. Right. Is that they, or like, honestly, even kind of marked ones, it didn't make sense that they were always carrying a camera. A camera, yeah. You know, it's just one of those things. Even with this one, she's, and I get it, I was 16 at once too, at one point too. I carried around my little iPod that had Uvu on it so I could video chat with you right. all hours. But she's carrying around this huge-ass laptop. Granted, we stayed on Uvu till like, we passed out. So I think our record was, like, nine hours on Uvu. A little bit longer, I think, because we both Probably. fell asleep and then woke up and we're still on. And or no, your mom shut your computer. Sorry, never mind. It was probably no. like nine hours. No, when I had my iP- uh, my little iPod, uh-huh. it was longer. Because I'm telling you, I woke up and that bitch was heated. Oh, damn. Yeah, she used to overheat because she was steady just dreaming all night. <laughs> um, So, it did have my favorite line of every paranormal activity ever. I mean, granted, the fork one was really good. But the fucking Prius. <laughs> I cannot see your Prius till this day without saying fucking prius i think that was like an iconic line of that time period dude every time anybody saw a prius they're like fucking prius for no reason to this day i still can't not do it um but yeah those those were that summed up yeah pretty much everything that's good for four um so continuing to mark ones continuing to marked ones you go (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so I like uh, the flow of you going first and me. To just start this off, I just want to say it's not a reason why one of this is one of our favorite movies um, in the series, but this movie does have a Wilhelm scream in it. In yes, case you listen to the previous yes, episode. Yes, yes. So um, there's also the only thing about this movie, the reason I personally like it and it's my favorite, it's because the first half of it isn't just complete horror right off the bat it's kind of like some weird stuff it builds up suspense it takes a while but it builds up suspense it's really kind of humorous at the beginning and then it all kind of compiles at the end is just all like spitballing into scary and that's what i personally love about movies instead of having a lot of jump scares i mm-hmm. like when they just build up suspense throughout the movie and then at the end is the kind of the climactic part where you get all that scariness out 
I feel you. I just wish that it wasn't like 50 minutes into the movie. I mean, I feel you. It's definitely quite a while in. There's some spooky stuff happening here and there, but it's not until kind of more towards the end where you get the real like, oh shit. Yeah. Um, The grandmother. The grandmother's real MVP that, here. That is the main character in my eyes. Like she was my favorite character. I do hope she survived that fall. I though. don't think she did. Probably not, but I hope she did. She, she was nice. She you. did not look like she had a life alert on. So I don't know how fast they got there. Granted, demonic Jesse probably could have pulled that life alert off before she even got a chance to oh, push it. Oh no. Um yeah, no, dude. I <laughs> the scene where they walk in on her and she has a shake weight and she's like, What are you laughing about? It's just my shake weight. Dude, that reminded me of my aunt, my grandmother, my other aunt. Like, it just... And coming from, like, a Hispanic family, that one hit, like, so hard. Yeah, no, I definitely, like... That movie kind of brought some nostalgia back from watching everybody gather and parties and have fun and drink and mm-hmm. everything. Um, now that we're living in the COVID world. That's not possible. Nope. We're not doing it, even... With regular family members, nope, we will nope, not nope. risk it. Um, I do have to say, say though, that uh, this movie is the one where it starts the confusing plot line. I think this movie would have been much better off not connected directly to the Paranormal Activity series, rather just kind of in its own independent film. Yeah, especially with Jesse getting superpowers and becoming like this super-possessed Professor X. The main problem I had is that it says that they basically prime these young women into giving up their firstborn sons. And Oscar does a lot of research and finds out that a lot of these women die in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And, you know, all that jazz. But the thing is, is Christie's family gave up their firstborn son. Mm-hmm. The first one they had in decades since the 1930s. Right. Why didn't Christie die in childbirth? Because that was the girlfriend. That was his, his... That was a little boo thing. Exactly. See, and that's just one of the things where it just kind of... I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to make the story interesting and everything like that. And be like, yeah, we're building a demon army. It went from, oh, we're just praying to this demon to gain wealth Not and even. power. It went from like, hey, this is a ghost movie. To, hey, we're trying to do what Marvel did and create a whole cinematic yeah. universe of demons. Well, you have to think in the first Paranormal Activities, it's, yeah, you have to give up your firstborn son because their family sold him for wealth and power. Right. And now it's, yeah, the girls are just brainwashed into giving up their sons um, so we can build a demon army. Mm-hmm. Like, it just changes the whole entire tone of it. Yeah. So, I don't know. It just, I really love the movie. It's just, I feel like it probably would have made the storyline better if it was his own personal movie. Yeah. Um, I do gotta say fuck you to Allie, though. Honestly, she just dipped after. She's like, here's the address of the final ritual. Don't Not even. She's it. like, hey, I have this whole book of information, but um, I'm just gonna tell you where the place is at, and you just do with that as you may. Honestly, though, how did she get the address of the final ritual? I don't know, but, like, who lets their whole family get killed and it's just, like... You could deal with that. Demons are demons, though. So, I'm I'm good. I'm sorry. If I had the address, I would just go burn the motherfucking place down. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm lighting myself on fire and rolling around in the grass or something if I have to. Right? Like, it makes no sense to be, like, I know the exact address for the final ritual where he's going to become a full demon. And I'm not going to tell you what to do there. Just, like... 
just save him before it's too late, you know? Yeah. Do what you gotta do, homie. Go for it. Yeah. Yeah, she, um, I'm really glad that she had all this information and she was talking to people. Um, but homegirl did not help for shit. No, and you said they brought guns to a knife fight. Really, they brought cholos to a witch fight. Yeah, I definitely think that they underestimated, um how intense the witches could be and how honestly how effective they can be with knives compared to their shotguns and they just kind of like crept up and teleported and started stabbing everybody now they just like anime ran towards them and like speed too quick (laughs) just stabbed them like haha you can catch me the power of toby compels you for fucking real buddy like was really helping them out so, this movie didn't do two things that all the other movies did do, style-wise. Um, so, all of the other Paranormal Activity movies, I'm not too sure about Ghost Dimensions. Don't quote me on that one. But as far as from Marked Once Up... The original. The originals, yes. They all came out, or they were all released in October. Came out and released at the same thing. You know what I meant. It's late at night. Exactly. <laughs> and so... Uh, that being said, I actually researched it. I don't... I, I, I know. I said I researched it and then I completely forgot. But uh, they said that there was a problem as to why they couldn't release it on October. It's uh, but something. y'all go ahead and Google it. And y'all could y'all do a little bit it. of the work. <laughs> um, and then the second thing is that this is the first movie to not record by nights. Night. I think it's the only movie. Yeah, it's the only movie because even Ghost Dimension says night, night one, one two. night two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is the only one not to actually go in an order of night one, night two, night three, night four. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so I thought that that was like weird and cool. And like you said, it should have been its own series, I guess. It should like, have been a spinoff, not directly connected to Katie and Christy. And I think Marked Ones should have been the same thing. Like, they could have continued with, like, their Fantastic Beast. That's of... what we're talking about, is Marked Ones could have been its own series. Right, right, right. But what I'm saying is, like, Marked Ones and uh, Ghost Dimensions. Oh, Sorry. Okay. okay. Should have been, like, their own, like, little Fantastic yeah. Beast and where to find them. They absolutely could have been, because Marked Ones was really good. And then just kept one through four. Um, it's really good if you view it by itself, but if you're if you're thinking of it in the order of all the paranormal activities, it really doesn't follow the storyline that the original ones did. It just kind of made things a little messy. Right. Moving on to the messiest of them all, though. No oh, fuck. We have ghost dimensions. I'm sorry. Like, I keep cussing about this movie and, like, griping and groaning. It's just so bad. It is. Like, it's... It's weird. It's awkward. It throws a wrench in everything we've ever possibly known because we know that Toby's building an army or demons are building an army of mm. firstborn sons, right? Yeah. Now, all of a sudden, we have Hunter, who's a firstborn son. Uh-huh. Who was supposed to be the sacrifice for, you know, Christy and Katie's family. Uh-huh. And then now we have a Leela. firstborn daughter born on the same day as Hunter that apparently needs to not necessarily be sacrificed. They just need their blood. They're just coming up with these rules on the fly. They're like, yeah, so they don't need to be fully sacrificed. We just need their blood. We need them to travel back to 1992. Right. So it makes you think, like, what is the purpose of killing Christy's whole family and this, that, and the other. If they just needed, like, a single drop of blood. Honestly. It's kind of like Pirates of the Caribbean, you know what I mean? Where they, like, kind of had to drop a little bit of blood on the treasure. But, like, 
dog, just carry Hunter's... Like, I'm pretty sure Hunter's gonna, like, lose a tooth or... Honestly. Fucking get a shot before he goes to school. Something, dude. Just carry that. why wouldn't he just want Christy in the... Like, to keep Hunter? Why wouldn't you just keep Hunter in his family? What was the point of taking Hunter out of his family, having him raised by an adoptive family? It doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It makes things so just mixed up. And then I also have beef with the fact that... Katie, we find out Katie was a realtor that sold them that house, mm-hmm. and she sold them that house for a very, like, good price, like, one they could not possibly pass up. What did she do with the money? Oh, not she only that. bought the house across the street from them. Did she? <laughs> Remember? That's what Wyatt, or, uh, Robbie came from across the street. Was that the same house as Alex's house in Ghost Dimensions? No, 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 no. Ghost Dimensions was, uh... It was their old house. I'm sorry. No, no, no. But I mean, like... Let's just forget everything Rico just said right there. Sure. Sure, sure, sure. So, Katie pretends to be a realtor. Mm -hmm. She markets through a realty company that is real, but she just has, like, a fake name and everything. So, Mm -hmm. where does the money go? Anyways, continuing. It's just, like, the occult... I got, I got four and Ghost Dimensions mixed up. Yep. Sorry. It's all good. Because Katie moved in across the street from yeah. Alex and them. Got yeah. it. Yeah. It's okay. So she's we find out she's the one that sold them this house. And then what happens? She puts this box of tapes that they mysteriously find in their garage. They She puts them in there of like their tapes, like hers and her sister's tapes. And she puts in this big ass camera. Who made can, the camera? Thank you, that can see into the next dimension. Why would you do that? Who builds a fourth dimension camera? Obviously a random occult member who's like, you know, it'd be really fun seeing the demon we serve. I think that'd be really cool. Well, I think, like, it was one of the previous movie. Like, somebody from the previous movies. But then, like... We've never seen it before. Right. It just doesn't make sense. No. Like, it's, why like, would plot you, armor. Why would like, you put the tapes there? Yeah. And put the... If you didn't want, like, to this to be figured out, it makes no fucking no sense. No fucking sense. Um, but we do find, in this movie, since they can't see into the fourth dimension, they get to see Toby, mm-hmm. which is really great, but he is... He um, takes, like, 14 different forms throughout the fucking movie. So you, what, what does he really look like? He he's is, a pair of legs. He Well, at the end, he's a pair of legs, but in the a beginning... sexy, sexy pair of smoky legs. He is a symbiote. Right. He looks That's like it. fucking Venom at one point. And we Then he looks like an alien. He can, chan- like, become particles in the air, and then he can also <sighs> channel it into, like, a weird body. Like, I... And then he also kind of looks like a Dementor at one point. Yeah, honestly, Just hanging from the no ceiling. Sense. Yeah, it's... It's a lot. But we didn't take a lot of notes on this one because it was just... So bad. So many plot holes. We would have been here for literally three hours. It's the plot for me. Honestly, there's... It's like Scoob. Yeah. You just can't fix it. You just have to scrap it and start Mm -hmm. over. So, they... I did see that they hired a director for the seventh one. It's set to be out in 2022, I think. I'm sure it's going to get pushed with COVID and everything like that. I hope it doesn't. We need this. We need an... Well, we need it if it's going to wrap things up because I'm tired of this. I don't want it to wrap things up. I kind of want it to be a two-parter. I did tell you that how I wanted it to be saved. Um, but I can... We'll save it for whenever it's getting closer to that time. Yeah. And, and just give our guess of what's going on. Yeah, because, I mean, it's just... It's so much that 
the last one, Ghost Dimensions, was supposed to wrap up everything, answer all your questions. And ultimately what it did is it just brought up more questions. Right. Um, here's a few things that we might want to, or that I kind of wanted to mention that aren't really a part of, aren't really a part of any like specific movie, but it's just things that we just kind of want to toss in just a little, couple of facts. Um, Katie or the actress who plays Katie, technically same person, um, plays in every movie except ghost dimensions where she's kind of just more mentioned and seen as a younger version of herself, which yeah. again, just shows you ghost dimension is shit because they had her in every movie even they couldn't have just like did like a flashback to right. buying house or something right just something they could I have mean, shown her as a realtor honestly like come on dude and then another thing that i wanted to mention is toby gets weaker in every movie like in the beginning of every movie he starts off weak and then like slowly grows because of their fear i i mean I, yeah i think he's more of like a fear-based demon where you know if you get the more scared of him you get the more intense he becomes so i think whenever he's first starting off in a lot of the movies he's just kind of like testing his boundaries and seeing how far he can go and everything like that but i mean like what if nobody's scared of him then what then the movie ends up but if he's too weak to like that's when he has to start dragging bitches down i don't think he's weak i think he starts off slow it as wouldn't make to, sense. Like, I think he has to, to be not. some kind of weak and then, like, grow with their well, fear. Kind of like Pennywise. I guess. But, like, I'm thinking he starts off weak as to not, like, make them freak out and go get a hotel the next night and, like, peace out. Ruin his I plan. mean, dog. We've we've been through 2020. So, him going around and fucking moving shit would be like, oh, ghost. Can you pick up my laundry while you're down there? Thanks. Right. Ugh, dude, I fucking forgot to get chocolate milk. Can you bring that up to me, dude? Please. Love you. Honestly. Um, yeah, but that's just something I wanted to bring up that I noticed. Um, so let's go ahead and finally, after an hour, Jump get into, into our, yeah, our, our ranked. ranked. So we're ranking them from scariest to least scary. Um, mine and Rico's lists are pretty much the exact same thing. Except for one movie. Except for, well, two spots. We flip-flop on those spots. Yeah. So, starting off unanimously, Paranormal Activity 3, that one actually had so much to offer in the realm of scariness. It didn't have to rely heavily on jump scares. It really didn't have to rely on being just ear-shattering screams and loudness that you, you know, it just catches you off guard, really. Mm -hmm. So, all in all, everything just felt like it made for a good scary movie and not a scary, you know, found flick that we all know is fake. It was pretty it felt authentic it felt like i was kind of part of the scene right uh second you have to give it to paranormal activity one Honestly. i think like as far as scare factor goes number one was fucking the king of found footage like we said earlier and you know we were just pumped on the idea that it was real like a real event that took place and even though we found out later on it wasn't you know, just seeing it for the first time or just, like, watching the previews for it amped you up for the scare. And then whenever you actually watch it, even if you watch it, like, years later and you just kind of came back to it, it's still scary. And, you know, I think a lot of the reason why it was just so good for that time is because of the low budget. Everything wasn't just, like I said, overproduced and too high quality. So you got, like, the weird 2000s decor of the of the house and you just... 
I don't know. It felt very authentic. So moving on to number three for me, um, I am going to go ahead and say Paranormal Activity 4 was scarier for me. Um, I felt like it just kept me in it through the whole thing, especially with Robbie. Like the boyfriend Ben did provide this like comedic effect, but not too much. Like Robbie kept it fucking terrifying. Like no matter what Ben did to make it funny, Robbie was there to counteract the funny with being weird and hidden in like all these creepy places where you can still see him. And I think a good thing um, that they did is they didn't, we all thought as soon as we got introduced to Robbie, we're like, that's Hunter. That's him. Yeah. But they actually flipped it on us where Wyatt was actually Hunter and Robbie was just this random fucking kid. Yeah. Um, And there was a scene, and this is why I put it as my third. There's a scene that, it was a jump scare. Yes, I did get scared by jump scare. But it scared me so bad I had, like, I felt like I was going to puke. Yeah, we actually rewatched it and just had to make sure it was still scary. It, it wasn't now that I knew, but like At watch it. Go ahead and watch for and whenever that jump scare pops up, you'll know it. You'll know. But I think how you said Ben provided the comedic relief, this one actually falls um fourth on my list for that reason just because Ben kind of took me out of it a lot of the time. Like I get it, he's a teenage boy and everything like that, but there is one scene where we think there's going to be a jump scare, and it's actually just, just, like, him sneaking in to scare his girlfriend. And for me personally... That took you out of it. it just his presence kind of took me out of it. Just, like, the annoying teenage boy presence just kind of took me out of it. I get it. Um, but my personal third is Marked Ones. This one, the reason I loved it so much is because it relied more on suspense than anything else. It built up. It was like a slow burn into the scariness. And that's what I really enjoy personally. That way, like, it kind of, the friends in there, they let your guard down. You're like, okay, this is like a funny movie. Like, it's a little creepy, but it's not going to be, like, scary. And then at the end, it's just kind of like, oh, shit, this is, like, intense. Mm-hmm. And that's personally why I liked it so much. It's like he slowly descends into madness. And that's just why it's my personal number one favorite. But in terms of scariness, I liked it as number three. Yeah. Um, so that was your three, my fourth. Um, we did get into a little little debate about it. A little creative differences. Right. You liked the fact that it was a slow burn. Like I said... It, it just took too long for me. It was almost an hour in before the scare started coming in. Don't get me wrong. I do like this movie. This movie was personally, like, on the higher end of the spectrum on on this series. Um, but it was kind of more of my meh in the scary factor. Um, it had a lot of comedy to try to stop it from being scary. It was kind of like... I guess the comedy was kind of like a seatbelt for the scary. What you loved about Ben, I personally did not like. and what I didn't I, care for Ben. And what I loved about the friends is what you didn't like. Well, I mean, you had Cholos. You had, like, the funny best friend who was kind of pervy. They were both kind of pervy. Like, I don't know. It just, it, it was very, like, hey, we're going to make a Boys in the Hood movie, but we're also going to make it scary. I guess I enjoyed it, and then like I like I said, it had the confusing, like it, it started the confusing part. 
Yeah, it definitely started, like, kind of convoluting all the kind of rules that they had already set. Right. So, moving on, we both agree on our last two, Paranormal Activity 2. It was fucking dumb. It was just loud and full of jump scares. There wasn't a lot of shots with action in it. A lot of it was just blank shots, just kind of gearing you up for whenever the jump scare is going to happen. So, it was just kind of boring. It really didn't hold anybody's interest too long. Definitely. Um, Like you said, it was packed with jump scares, and it just got to the point where you knew the jump scares were coming. Yeah, it was very predictable. Yeah. Uh, Last one is going to be Ghost Dimensions, which we kind of just went ahead and said it was a shit show. Um, You heard us shit on the movie several times already, so we're not going to get too far into it. It just was basically supposed to tie up loose ends, but what it it ended up doing was just cutting every single tie that had been made. Yeah. Um, I think one jump scare was like the only scary part of it. And the rest of the stuff was honestly just weird. Yeah, I think it just kind of unraveled. So moving on, we do have a few fun facts about the movies. Right. Uh, So Paranormal Activity 1 had a total of four endings. Uh, It had the theatrical version that we saw in the movies that we saw, you know, on the DVD or whatever. Um, It had the alternate ending, which is the cop ending. Where they shoot and kill Katie. Right. Uh, they had what is called the camera ending, which is where the ghost, <laughs> Toby and Christy, was it Christy or Katie? Katie? Katie, are just so fed up with Micah and recording that they take his camera and just bludgeon him to death with it. And then they had the suicide, which is really dark. Christy, kind Katie, of Katie, Katie kills herself. That's you it. You kind of guess what it's from. Yeah. Um, so there's also this not well paranormal activity called um, Tokyo Nights. It came out the same year as Paranormal Activity 2. It's, I guess, I, I kind of call it in my mind, they're like Tokyo Drift from the Fast and Furious series. Oh, God. Why would you take it there? And just because, like, they, they kind of did that. They just had the spinoff where it's like, okay, well, Paranormal Activity did so well. So Ooh. let's put it in another yeah. another language. Makes sense. Makes so, sense. Um, it didn't make it to theaters in the U.S., and it was technically the second movie. I did read about it, and it sounded, like, pretty interesting. The uh, main girl in the series gets in a car wreck with Katie. With Katie, and that's, and that's how it... Yeah. How, that's how the demon gets transferred, which it wouldn't have followed the storyline, in all honesty, like, no. going forward. But it's it's something pretty interesting. She would have had VHS tapes or something. Honestly, she would end up VHS tra- VHS tapes in, in her, her like, luggage. <laughs> yeah, or her luggage. So another one that we had is that Ghost Dimension also has a alternate ending, which we strongly approve of it being the alternate ending, and you don't look it up because, like we said, the movie was already a shit show, and that ending would have just made it so much weirder. Yeah, it ends up with Emily, which is Leela's mom, being pregnant. Um, Kent you know, the teacher becoming involved. It's a whole thing. Um, yeah, it just didn't make sense. Yeah, I just I wouldn't even think about it too much. And you don't get to see Toby's feet. No, you want Toby's feet. So um, a really cool fun fact is that Steven Spielberg actually en- enjoyed Paranormal Activity, the original one, so much that he was one of the main reasons it got made. So after he watched the movie, he was so spooked that when his room door locked from the inside... He freaked out, had to call a locksmith, everything like that, and he didn't want the movie anywhere near his, like, house, so he took the movie back to the studio in a garbage bag. Not saying it's trash, but just being like, hey, um, 
It was really great, but you it's guys can have this back. Spoopy. Exactly. <laughs> um, so another, you know, fact that we had was that this movie is what kickstarted the found footage era of movies. Although I still hate Shaky Cam. Yeah, a lot of movies came out after this one did so well. That was just it inspired a whole group of directors. But the last fun fact that we have is that every paranormal activity, except for the last two, has a fucking swinging chandelier. Ghost Dimensions did have a chandelier. Did it? Yeah. Marked ones did not, but Toby loves his fucking chandeliers. He loves his hanging lights. He sees them and he's like, oh my god, you installed it just for me? Let me go be Sia Sia. for a minute. (laughs) Literally, Toby is Sia. That's what we've learned. Yeah. But besides that, I mean... Great franchise. Yeah, like, it's very overdone by this point, but the first few movies are definitely, you know, they're good. Yeah, they're they're definitely good. One through five were great. Six, weird, but still great. It's good to sit there and nitpick. So, now that you guys have heard our thoughts on the entire Paranormal Activity series, um, feel free to go watch them for yourselves. Not all of them are readily available on any streaming services, so you are going to have to do a little work for it. But, um, you know, feel free to stream them and binge watch them. And remember, sleep with your light on or off. Uninstall your chandeliers, people. Yeah, fuck your chandeliers. <laughs> um, you know where to find us. Break out the popcorn on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, etc., but not Twitter. And anywhere else that you can find uh, your everyday podcast. Yeah, stream us on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And um, if you want to email us, email us at breakoutthepopcorn at gmail.com for any kind of recommendations that you might have. um, Movies you want us to watch, series you want us to rank, all that fun stuff. And roll credits. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.